Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Austin. Uh, coming at you guys with a really, really awesome episode this week. Uh, I get to sit down with Jared Arsenault from Orion Training Group. Um, I've been following these guys, uh, Jared's company, on social media for uh, a while now. Um, just great dudes putting out really, really great information. Um, <clears throat> if you guys aren't familiar with Orion, what they it's what they specialize in teaching is uh, close quarters tactics, close quarters battle, CQB, right? Teaching teaching folks how to clear rooms, uh, the skill sets, uh, the rationale, the context, the nuance, right? Uh, be, behind behind the concept, everyone likes to throw around the term CQB, but these guys are really, you know, they're out there really teaching you what it what it means and and how to be successful at it. Um, something you're not seeing a whole lot of in the space these days for a couple of reasons. And I, and I'm, I, I dig into that, uh, with Jared and it's, uh, it was a great conversation. Um, I'll definitely be having him back on, right. There, there's so much to dig into. Um, you know, in the tactical space, CQB always gets thrown around. Uh, everyone wants to do it, right. It looks cool on videos. It, it looks awesome in, in the movies and the TV shows and stuff. But, uh, in reality, it's, it's probably the most dangerous uh, set of circumstances and situation you could put yourself in in terms of a gunfight um, just because of how much thought is involved and thinking that's involved and, and uh, these guys really have made it their mission to to share this this information um, this education with with the masses uh, so I get to sit down with, with Jared we have a great conversation I think you guys are really really gonna dig it uh, before I I jump over into our discussion, though. I do need to make sure that I say thank you to the folks that help make this possible, right? Our presenting sponsors here at The Prepared Mindset. Uh, I got to say thank you to Eclipse Holsters. Guys, head over to EclipseHolsters.com. Pick up a new holster. Pick up a new mag carrier, dump tray. Whatever you guys need, they'll get you taken care of. They got inside the waistband options, outside the waistband great quality holsters and they guarantee that in three business days or less those will be out in the mail to you even now while they're in the midst of uh, moving to a bigger facility to keep up with the growing demand of their awesome products they'll still have it in the mail in three business days or less Um, you guys spend over 100 bucks with them free fedex two-day shipping you can't beat that. I mean, we all know the the struggles of working with the USPS. No offense to any mail carriers out there. It's just, you know, it is what it is. So having that that awesome that that next step shipping is is amazing. Um, we're super thrilled to be brand ambassadors here uh, with Eclipse. That's what I carry with one of their serious uh, light bearing holsters. That's why I carry my forty three X. I have a a stream light on it. Um, love it. Super comfortable holster. No problems with retention. And I got a ton of designs on there. Whatever you guys want. Okay, they'll be able to hook you up. And you don't see a design you want, maybe you want a custom print, email Jess and her team, they'll get you hooked up. They also gave us our code prepared mindset that's gonna knock twenty percent off your order, guys. Twenty percent. That's that's a fifth. That is yeah, uh, do the math. Yeah, that's a fifth off of your order. All right. So head over to clipsholsters.com, let them let them hook you guys up with a new rig. Also gotta say thank you to mymedic.com. Uh mymedic has whatever you guys need. I just got I think uh, some gauze, I got some burn gel, I got a uh, chest seal. I don't know, I just got a, I ordered a bunch of stuff off there and they just delivered that earlier this week. They gave us our discount code, Mindset20. You guys can use it and save 20% off your order. Again, huge discount. That is one-fifth off your overall total using our code Mindset20. 
they got everything you need tourniquets uh gauze chest seals all that stuff if you need a med kit right maybe you're looking for something to take on your hiking camping trips um maybe you need something to keep in the car right if you commute more than 10 minutes a day you should have something fairly robust in your car not not only for yourself but possibly to save the life of somebody you may come across on the road they have kits that are specific i think they have a special going on right now for their uh bike medics that that are um, very long and very thin that's strapped to the frame of your bike if you're somebody that does uh, you know bike racing or endurance uh, bicycling stuff like that it's a great thing to have with you people fall stuff happens there's all kinds of videos that are happening on the interwebs you definitely want to make sure you're taken care of again our code mindset 20 is going to knock off 20 percent they're also an affiliate partner so if you go through our facebook page uh, the prepared mindset on Facebook. You can go to our offer section, use our link. You can still use our code mindset 20 and anything that you spend there, we get a little piece coming back to the prepared mindset team. So we can keep kicking out awesome content for y'all to enjoy. That's mymedic.com. You can also get through our uh, affiliate link through our link tree on our Instagram page. If you guys follow us on Instagram and you totally should follow us on Instagram for more great content. You can also get a link through our link tree and our offers page to dryfiremag.com. Dryfiremag is a great company that makes a great training tool. It allows you to dry, to maximize your dry fire practice with an audible and tactile uh, reset of your trigger for your Glock, your Smith & Wesson, your SIG, your, your Springfield pistol, so that those late night dry fire sessions in your basement, because that's the only free time you have because you got kids and a family and a day job, you can maximize those practice sessions with a dry fire mag. Save yourself a ton of money considering what ammo costs right now, uh, and you'll see massive gains, massive improvements in your practice. I have. I picked one up right after lockdown. Uh, they're supposed to be coming out with their smart dry fire mag in just a few weeks here, which will actually turn your gun into a cert pistol. If you don't know what a cert pistol is, Basically, you'll get a little uh, cartridge insert that goes in your firing chamber uh, and a smart dry fire mag. And then every trigger pull will give you a uh, red, little red dot on whatever wall or target you're dry fire practicing at. So you can see if you're flinching, you can see where your transitions are hitting, if your sights are maybe off or something. Uh, great, great tool. Again, what money well spent considering, you know, where boxes a nine millimeter or 45 or 40 uh, still are. And if you, that's if you can find them. So, uh, we don't have a discount link for them, but it's a great product that we've had an awesome, awesome experience with. And we'd really recommend to anybody who's looking to get better as a shooter. Again, you can get that link in our offers page on Facebook or our link tree through our Instagram. And if you aren't following us on Facebook, you aren't following us on Instagram. If you're not following us on Spotify or wherever you're listening to this podcast, please go ahead and smash that subscribe button. Help us get those numbers up so we can we can do more fun stuff. Uh, so that's it for me. Uh, without any further ado, we're going to go ahead. We're going to jump over into my conversation with Jared Arsenault from Orion Training Group. Hey, brother. How you doing tonight? I'm good, man. How are you? Good. Good. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited that we have the opportunity to sit down and talk um, that we rescheduled from earlier in the week and whatnot. Um, those damn day jobs, they get in the way. Yes, they really do. Um, <clears throat> but I am excited because I've been following you guys and everything that uh, that that you and and Orion have been doing for a while now on Instagram. So I was super excited that you were able to to kind of fit me into your schedule. I know you guys are doing like all sorts of stuff all over the place, um, travel wise and everything. Um, 
So let's just let's just jump right in. Can you go ahead and introduce yourself and uh, tell the listeners uh, who you are and, and, and what you do? Okay, so uh, my name is Jared Arsenault. I own Orion Training Group, which is a uh, sort of training conglomerate that it consists of a lot more way cooler people than me. Um, we have guys from all sorts of backgrounds, SOF, uh, community guys, uh, SWAT guys, civilian competitive shooters. Um, with one of our guys is a USPSA Grandmaster. Um, Oh, wow. Medical. Yeah, it's really, really super knowledgeable dude. I want to take some of his classes. Um, we've got uh, medical folks, uh, paramedics, EMT Academy directors, stuff like that. So basically the business model is we want people to realize that the Second Amendment and the, the American mindset it should be so much more than like, I've got a rifle for hunting deer. You know, it's supposed to be <laughs> overall preparedness and that not to be like a cringy, you know, I'm in my basement, you know, prepping for the fallout uh, right but you know preparedness overall so we, we try to offer a realistic um look and a fresh take at how can we be training as average everyday americans and when i say that i mean people who are law enforcement and the military and welders and teachers and and whoever the fuck it doesn't matter we don't keep people out by vocation um, now, of course, there are some things we can't teach because it's illegal or you have to have certain permits. Like we can't do explosive breaching, right? Uh, sure. In an open enrollment class, that, I'll go to prison for that, that. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 So <clears throat> it's not that I don't want to. It's that I, I physically cannot make that happen and survive. So, um, but there are plenty of things we're teaching that other people are not. Like we will teach team-based tactics. Um, we do have a vetting process, but it's not going to be, oh, you're not, you don't have credentials from LE or military or you can't get in. That's not how we vet people. See, and, and that was going to be something that I, I was going to ask about too, because I know um, other podcasts. Um, I, I've heard discussion around, <clears throat> excuse me, why training companies move away from stuff like that. They don't want to teach the average person CQB. Yeah. I mean, call it what it is, right? Um, simplest terms. They don't want yeah. to teach these kinds of skills to to regular civilians, and and to an extent, you know, I, I get the liability piece. Um, yeah. But it just seems like there's not too many of you guys around there that are willing to share that that information with those of us that aren't, you know, law enforcement, military, anything like that. Right. Well, it's it's twofold, man. So everyone likes to throw around the L word, you know, liability rules the day. Uh, but in reality, yeah. what it, it comes down to is money. So money is everything. And it always has been and always will be uh, in every aspect of life, especially a company where, you know, it's a service industry is really what we're doing. We're providing a service. And open enrollment classes means I have to hope that a bunch of yahoos get together or don't get together and just trickle in and they max out my class. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause generally speaking, civilians are not that organized, which is a problem. It's part of what we encourage is like, Hey, get a group of friends together and come learn this and become a small unit and a team. I mean, that's the definition of a militia, right? People that get together on their own time and are not compensated and are prepared and trained. Yeah, well. Absolutely. Um, that's what we want to, yeah, that's what we want to encourage. We're, we're trying to create a culture. But the money from that is a lot slower and a lot harder to get because you have to convince every individual that they need this. When you do agency-only training, only person you got to convince they need that is some administrator who's worried about liability. And who's training, holding purse strings, yeah. Exactly. So a lot of liability, <clears throat> training in the law enforcement and the military world is liability assuasion, right? So ask, ask a veteran or someone, especially someone who's actively in the Army right now, um, how many times they've been through a don't rape people class, you know, oh, and it's God. like, 
it's like 25 times a year. Okay. How I don't even, you- I don't even work in law enforcement or military. I work in finance and I can tell you that at least, at least twice a year, I'm just thinking off the top of my head. I have to take training on stuff like that. At least yeah. it might even be once a business quarter. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And that's, and, and why is that? Okay. It's because people are so worried about what could happen that they want to be able to say when something does happen, they told you not to do it and it's your fault. And when we start applying that look to um, life-saving things, um, shooting skills, CQB skills, medical skills, whatever, and the purpose of the training is simply to pass the buck on whose fault it is when something goes wrong, we're not doing anybody any favors, right? But that's what most training companies get into. They say, okay, I got to convince this one dude behind a desk to write me a check. And the way I'm going to convince him is to say, we're going to give you a certificate that says it's not your fault if something goes wrong. And that's what most training comes down to. What we're trying to do is the opposite. I don't give a shit about any of that because I've been the guy that's been through a mediocre training class and was like, what the hell is this instructor talking about? Yeah. I didn't realize until later <clears throat> it wasn't for me. I was, I'm not the reason that guy that's teaching is there. He's there for a check from a department because the money's easy and you don't have to have quality of instruction and in, in one-on-one engagement with students because they're not the ones paying you. Um, yeah. so that's, that's the disconnect there. It's not only is it liability, but it's also a money thing. Well, and that's the part where it all starts to become a little bit, the old, I say the mainstream message, right? It's a little bit disingenuous that you, you look at people in law enforcement or military and the assumption, right? The assumption is always that because they went through some kind of academy training or they go through a biannual qualification or they just literally in the statement that. I was in the military. People assume that there's a a skill set, a proficiency, a competency there that excuses um, scrutiny, right? Right. Um, and I think, I, I mean, it's honestly, it's kind of ridiculous. That's part of the reason I think this whole like, and not to get political, but just you know, because <laughs> we see everybody screaming about the defund the police, right? And it's like, well, you want your police to be better trained, you know, non-lethal things or or better shots and stray shots and things like that, whatever. Um, training costs money and there should be, you need more of it if you want those things to get better, not worse. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so I, I, that's, I just, I cringe when I hear that kind of stuff, but um, it, it's, it's awesome that are, there are companies out there like w- what you guys are doing that are helping to, encourage this kind of learning to the average citizen. Um, and, and it's, I, I believe, right. I believe it's, it's a skill set that is, you can, you can teach yourself a lot, right. You can teach yourself yeah. how to shoot pretty well. You can teach yourself how to do a lot of the administrative skills pretty well, but you get to a point where you need to seek out professional training and professional help. And it's not always just the hard skills. A lot of it's just teaching people how to think. Yes, and I think that's why it's great that we, you you guys are out there willing to to share your knowledge and, um, you know, I used to teach high school musicians, right? And one of the first things I learned my first year ever working with kids was, hey, you can give them all the information in the world, but until you can give them context and justification, why do we do it this way? Why am I telling you that your way is wrong? It really won't take hold, and I think that's what the value is in having instructors like you guys, because yeah. you've had those experiences. You're 100% correct. And, you know, it, just to touch on what you said about experiences, the, the whole Internet rages about like, oh, you don't have a right to teach this or you don't have a right to teach that. And, and I'll just dime myself out here. Right. Uh, 
I don't. Do you actually get those that. kind of messages that you don't have the right to teach that? Uh, I don't. I don't really. We've established ourselves pretty well on credibility, but I used to be the guy who said that um, three, five years ago, because my limited scope of experience, uh, kind of a lack of maturity, um, and and being on somewhat halfway insta famous on my, one of my old pages. <laughs> um, I like to talk shit about people, you know. So it, you're talking about, you know, how you know we're open minded and we talk, you know, we 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 teach everybody and all this kind of stuff. My actual personality is is a little bit more um, harsh than that. But when you when you're running a business and you're in sales, you have to be very personable and deal with people and level with them. Oh yeah. Um, you know, yeah. so my actual personality, I want I want to call people, <clears throat> you know, names and such much more than I actually can. But there was a time when I did that, and one of the one of the focuses of my ire was the T Rex Arms guys, because from the outside looking in and without delving too much into the details, they you especially if you're not looking at nuance, which is what the internet is for, right? You just watch shit, you don't look at any of the nuance, you don't read into it, and you just go, "Oh, that's wrong." Yeah. I was that guy for a long time, and I would watch Lucas's videos and be like, "Oh, he's shooting around cars, he's teaching tactics," um, and I didn't look at the nuance of what he was doing. And I think that now at some level, we also are victims of that because people will watch a video of day one students who've never done CQB in their lives that are in a 16 hour total hours course trying to learn small unit tactics. You know, that would be a five to six week school in, in the military, anywhere you go, mount or whatever else, you know, they're, you're building from weapons handling through communication, how to move, how to bound, blah, blah, blah. And it builds up to this huge thing. Well, we're trying to do that in two days. And it's a small, it's a narrower scope, but we're trying to do it in two days. Yeah. You see a video of, of our students doing a movement and they go, oh, well, I wouldn't do that. And I would do this, this, and this. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's fine and dandy. But, you know, that guy's a welder and that guy's a school teacher. And, uh, you know, that dude flies airplanes or whatever. And they're trying to prepare themselves. And without that context and nuance, people take it the wrong way, which is what I used to do watching, um, you know, Lucas creating marketing content to sell holsters and sell products. I was looking at it like, oh, well, he's trying, he's, he didn't use the A pillar and his legs exposed there. And, you know, yeah, he should have done it this way. He should have done it that right, way. Right. Right. And that's the internet is so full of that. So we try to be overly articulate and put disclaimers in our posts. And, um, yeah, you ever seen the t-shirts like, be, please be patient. I'm autistic. That's how I am about like how I, <laughs> how I do my captions are, are just straight up yeah. like, over the top because I want to try to reduce people's, um, necessity to, to, to rage on the internet. Cause I used to be that guy. And it's sad that that's really, I think where the community is and not the whole community. Right. But, uh, that a lot of dudes that that's what they look for is ways to, to call people out and, um, mm -hmm. to try and be overly critical. Um, and even just to hear that you, someone who actually has, um, applicable real world experience, applicable experience in teaching, right? So, um, not just in having done it yourself, but in having successfully been able to rearticulate that information to students, yep. right? That you have to put a disclaimer out there saying, wait a minute, don't get mad. This is, this is why we're teaching this. And, um, and you're right. There's nuance there. There's, there's context there. You know, you're, we're taking a 16 day course and turning it into 16 hours. Um, <clears throat> it may not look glamorous. It may not look, you know, whatever. There's a reason why we teach a, not B, not C, whatever. Um, but yeah, when you're in those, in those, I guess those constrained situations, right. Where you only have X amount of time to, you know, 10 pounds of shit in a two pound bag, so yep. to speak. Um, you got to kind of prioritize yeah. right or wrong. I mean, that's what I had to do as a teacher. 
I can say that yeah. much. Um, oh, and sometimes right. that means you just, you focus on fundamentals, you build strong fundamentals and then you encourage the student to either seek out, you know, additional class or additional help. Uh, or this is important stuff for you to know with these five or seven skills, you can conquer 80% of what you're going to run into and you're leaving here in a way better position than you were when you walked in. Yeah, that's our goal is, and that's what our course objectives are at the end of every course. Can a student um, relatively safely and efficiently conduct whatever action? Um, let's just use our small unit program, for example. I just typed up a proposal for a, an agency for our small unit program, so it's at the top of my head. The course objectives are, by the end of this course, a student will be able to efficiently, uh, safely and effectively clear a residential size structure in groups of three or four uh, man teams um, while manipulating weapons safely around each other, engaging shoot targets, not engaging no shoot targets, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what we're trying to get people mm -hmm. to the point of at the end of a two day class. As you said, that's, you know, 10 pounds of shit in a two pound sack is is an understatement. Um, and like just to I, I, I did a class two years ago and a student pulled me to the side at the end of it. It was a three day. Um, actually, it was only a two days before we added the third day. Um, and he was like, man, I feel really good after that. Uh, you think I could make entry, you know, back like if this was like, you know, I was on your team, you think I'd be able to like jump in and make entry. And uh, of course, my answer was absolutely not. But <laughs> the, pers the perspective that people get is, OK, I'm a Navy SEAL. You know, I took one class and I'm a gangster now. But the program that I came from and uh, hopefully you can get Jason on here at some point. He's he's uh, kind of a mentor of mine and he's. I say kind of, he's a big mentor of mine and he works with, with us now as a, one of our primary guys. He helped develop the program at uh, EBR, which is the agency I came from before where I'm at now. And the SWAT program was six months minimum probation. So you go through a selection. There's the PT, the shooting test, the stress test, decision-making tests. There's an oral board, there's a background check. Um, if you pass all that, you get put on probation on the team. You have six months of that minimum. Often it's more like 12 months. and that's doing all the training that you're supposed to do, doing extra training, which we call it a SWAT daddy, but it's a, it's an FTO, a field training officer that trains you SWAT on SWAT. Daddy. SWAT daddy, yeah. yeah. Um, so whatever your SWAT daddy requires of you, you do. You're kind of everyone's bitch on the team, too. You clean all the vehicles, drive the vehicles. Um, you do all the dirty work, and uh, you train as much as you can. And then when, it, when they feel that you're ready, because they're not going to send you into the house, the training, the shoot house live fire until you're ready, that's usually about 12 months out. So you've trained for a year with this team, then you get to go do live fire. If you do well in the, their live fire program, they call it the entry candidacy test of the ECT. Um, there's a series of like 28 scenarios that are live fire with the team and you just do them back to back to back to back. And there's a grading rubric and there's Jeez. a guy that's, yeah, there's a guy that's married to you that follows you around and you better not fuck it up. And if you, if you have a single safety violation or any sort of, hinky shit that would have gotten somebody hurt or killed in real life, you're, you're done. And they put you either back in probation if they think you're trainable or you're off the team. If you pass it, now you are just now able to make entry after 12 to 14 months on the team. Um, and that's if everything went right. So that's, that's, that's crazy. That was a long, I mean, and yeah. by military standards, I'm sure comparatively that's short looking at what some pipelines are and things like that. But yes, yeah, that, is. that's, that is a long time of uh, training and learning and retraining. Right. And that's the perspective that people are missing. They see 
a student that's got two days of training <clears> on Instagram and they go, oh, I was fucked up. I'm like, yeah, of course it was. I was fucked up on my second day. Um, and I had 47 more to go before I could even go in the house with the team. So there, yeah. there's some perspective changes there. And like we talked about earlier, people don't understand or don't want to understand nuance. They're just not here for it. Um, and I don't, well, I don't really know it, how to fix that. Yeah. I mean, because it, it, it takes a little bit deeper thought to stop yourself and go, okay, wait a minute. What might they be dealing with? Um, it takes some maturity, right? And and to some extent, I think it takes some experience to know, to look at something like that and, and ask, you know, the questions of, of why are they doing that? Could it be because of the situational constraint? Um, is the training environment that we're seeing a video of just not conducive so they have to pretend something's there? It's not. I mean, there's a lot of different things that could go into because it's not like any of these videos that we see online are actual guys making entry training. I mean, some of them, some of them are, but for the most part, the stuff, and I know the stuff you guys are posting students are doing, you know, and right. it's, it, you're there to learn. I mean, that's, there should be mistakes evident because you are learning, you are trying new, new things. Uh, you're, you're putting yourself out there and I mean, and it happens, right? You got to, order to get better i mean that's just that's how it works right and that's so, part mean, of what we were trying to do I, with our with our page is change the culture of like everything's all vibey like skateboard culture edits and it's not actually giving anyone information because it's a bunch of dudes that are fairly spun up doing what they do all the time and it's it's, yeah. it's edgy <clears throat> and it's edited to look cool but there's not a lot of value in that for the end user who's just watching it you know um so, so do you guys get we're, like with your videos and stuff, do you guys get a lot of folks reaching out, just trying to get information, pick your brain, um, yes. trying to get a better understanding of, of what you guys are doing? Yeah, I get about 100 direct messages a day. Um, Jesus. Yeah, so now I'll say about probably about half of those are um, like, hey, do you have a website? And, you know, uh, I love your video or it's a re it's a react to a story or something. It's not actual questions, probably probably 10 solid questions a day where I actually take the time to do a voice message or type something out. Um, and that's to me is again, it's part of being a salesperson, right? You want to create relationships. Uh, I'm from the South, you know, from Louisiana. Uh, if you know somebody, you can sell something to them. That's how it goes. So you got to be able to say, <laughs> yeah, Hey, remember that conversation we had, you know, I'm invested in what you're doing. And not to say that I'm not genuinely caring because I do, I wouldn't be putting so much of myself into this company if I didn't, but companies oh, that appear yeah. Yeah, companies that appear to be a robot or they have a social media manager who doesn't know anything but how to post on Instagram. And I'm not knocking that. I get it. But that's a different type of experience than what you get when you come to us. I'm I'm actually answering most comments and responding to things. And that makes people feel like we really give a shit because we do. Yeah, and I, know, and I know what you're talking about because there's definitely a couple um, companies I can think of, you know, off the top of my head or whatever that – um, you reach out and either you don't get a response or you get a response a couple days later or um, you get a response and it's, you know, it's not whatever guy's name. It's like, oh, hi, this is Renee. Uh, I'd be happy to pass mm -hmm. your message. John. Uh, I mean, that's cool. Thank you. Uh, I didn't realize they were so busy. And um, <clears throat> and it's kind of, you know, whatever you get mixed emotions, it's kind of disheartening because you just want some information. But um, it's cool that you guys are so accessible in that regard. Um, and I know because a lot of guys just won't respond. They'll say, well, if you take the class, you'll find all that out. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. you don't have to be such a douchebag about it. Like, hey, man, all I wanted to know was, you know, why you do this or, or why is your hand in this position? 
versus the position does it you know and it's like well you know you can you can give a short explanation or just hear what you said earlier you know a voice message and um and they'll still have more left to learn from you in a class uh oh, so yeah. it's i think we're starting to see more of a um i don't say a rift but more of a separation you know in the the community or the industry if you will where what you guys are doing companies like what you're doing and, and where it really does focus more on the educational piece of it and, and really focusing on spreading information versus just trying to make money. I think that really is starting to become like, cool for lack of a better term. You know, um, it's starting to be more of a focus rather than just like you said, the, the, the videos with the really great editing quality and just, you know, you know, Ricky Bobby, I want to go fast. Uh, you know, shooting guns and, and, you know, popping grenades and everything. Um, right. So I, I think that's good for the, the industry as a whole. I agree. I agree. And that's what we were going for. I've had experiences. I'm still blocked by a couple large companies from when this the, to the page that I currently run was Breacher Up Apparel many moons ago before. That's a whole other story we can talk about. But that's how the business page got started back again. It had maybe like 4,000 followers. I had deactivated it years back. And uh, I went and reactivated it again when I started OTG. And um, from other interactions before, before I ever had any aspirations of doing a training gig or having a, any sort of interaction like that on social media, I would ask those questions that you're talking about. I'd say, hey, I don't understand this, this, or this. Can you explain this or this? You know, I'm an end user. I'm doing this every day, and I don't, I've never seen that before. What does this mean? And there are some people who just straight up block you because they think that you're you're talking crap about them, you know? Um, or yeah, that, that, yeah, that's, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. It doesn't, I don't know. I've, I've been, I've had a couple well. of those poor experiences too, you know, or, um, <clears throat> there was a, a gentleman that I, for years, right. Had, had seen his videos and stuff going back to like 2015, right. I'd seen his videos. Um, and, and I'm a bigger guy, you know, uh, and, and so is this gentleman. I'm like, all right, so that's what I want to learn from. I'll learn how to like shoot compact pistols. Cause he's got huge hands and so do I. And like, he'll be able to teach me how to conceal carry and everything. And then I like found him on social media and I like, jumped on one of his live feeds and he actually like, read off one of my questions and was like a total dick bag about it. And I was like, wow, <laughs> I, all of a sudden I have no desire to come train with you or spend my money with you or anything like this is a horrible experience like i had had, like elevated this individual and um all really took was him just kind of being an an asshole about it and no more that's it um you know so i think there's a certain amount of uh i guess responsibility that comes with with being in in that kind of position you know like people look up to you they want to learn from you they, they look to you for support and we t- and everyone talks about it, right? In the two way community, you got to welcome people and don't don't be a jerk. You know, this is how we get new shooters in the community, and we grow these ideas and these mindsets and things, right? Um, mm. but, but then you have the older guys, like the uh, the elder statesmen of the community, if you will, and they're just total assholes because they don't they don't want, or it seems they don't want some people to know what they know. They want to like keep it at mm-hmm. arm's length, and you can't you can't have what I have. Um, yes. And I, I guess, is, was that your experience prior to starting your company, it sounds like? Um, my, so I'm, I'm rather young for this industry. I'm, I'm only 29. Um, and 
my experience again south louisiana everything is guns you know you get guns for your birthday everything we hunted every weekend oh, um, sounds amazing oh yeah it was, it was a fantastic childhood i wouldn't change anything about it uh so you know for me there wasn't ever like this older person who was like you don't know shit it was like hey buddy let me teach you everything i know um so from and i never knew anything about the, the 2a community which i don't think there is one i think it's too fractured um there's not any any real unity to it but the people who are involved in it and want to make it something you know you and me included have a, a sort of a rift between these older guys that don't see it the way we see it and they come from that ronald reagan era of uh sort of neoconservatism conservatism where it's like you know my i have got a wood I got a wood stock, wood furniture, gun. I got a pistol. You know, I got a shotgun. I'm good to go. It's for hunting deer. Um, you know, that's that kind of perspective does not fit well with I show up to the range in a plate carrier with night vision and a don't tread on me flag patch and, uh, <laughs> you know, start burning down bill drills. They see that as unnecessary because their perspective is totally different. Um, and I don't know if you can change that. I don't think, and I don't know if it's worth changing because frankly, that dude will be dead in 10 years or 15 years. You yeah. know, like we need to be, we need to be doing like not to bring Lucas up again, but we need to be doing what he's doing where he is focusing on the new shooter, as you mentioned before. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and making sure they understand it's not just about shooting. If it's just about shooting, yeah, yeah you're a one trick pony. That's 10% of it. You need to know land nav unit movements survival how to grow food how to filter water how to communicate uh, set up a supply train there's all that kind of stuff that goes into being or even, an effective person or yeah or even just, just honestly what to buy you know i mean guys look to to get into this and it's it, it is becoming easier to find classes at least you know outlets for information and things like that but um, I know it is still, I feel like so difficult for someone who is genuinely new, you know, cause like, mm. um, you were talking about, you grew up and you guys shot all the time and, and it was great. And I grew up in a household that didn't have a firearm like at all. Mm. Um, I didn't get my first gun and moved out. I mean, my brother bought a house. We moved out together. Um, <clears throat> he just, he, uh, we probably were out maybe two months, maybe he's like, Hey man, you know, I just gotta tell you, I, I bought a gun. I was like, dude, sick. I want to get a gun, you know, and that, that's no reason other than he had one. And I was like, you know, it was a Glock 43. It wasn't anything impressive, whatever. But I, I remember and I, even now, right, because there's a lot of stuff I don't know. Uh, and I'll be the first one is building a kit, building a rifle, right? Like, where do you start um, mm. that that realization? What what is a quote unquote decent uh, optic to start with? Um, am I going to be okay doing something, you know, uh, this cheaper piece of equipment versus something else? And, um, you know, buying stuff, you get some guys like, oh, you have to have an aim point. You got to have it. You, you, otherwise, everything you have is trash. And it's like, okay, well, I just blew my whole wad on on this aim point, And I could have gotten away with something like Hollow Sun for as often as I shoot. And I could have gotten other things that would make me, a, that could help me get better faster, like, a quality holster, uh, you know, a quality sling, things like that. So I think um, just getting that information out there and helping educate people in a wide spectrum, a wide range of things um, to A, you know, what do you need to get started? You know, what's the bare minimum? I think Lucas did a video on, you know, a white light. That's where you need to start. Get a quality gun and then get a white light for it. Build from there. Um, 
when I know when I started, uh, everybody and their grandmother on the internet. And again, this is only like six, seven, whatever years ago. Oh, you don't need a white light that you're just going to, you're going to get shot. Cause you don't know what you're doing. It's like, okay. <laughs> so I, I didn't worry about a white for a while. I was like, all right, well, I don't want to get shot. So I guess I just need night sights. Cause that's what I was being told. And I had some friends in law enforcement and that's what they told me. You fast forward now. And I'm yeah. like, all right, you're, you're not, I mean, you're not exactly wrong, but you're not right either. You know? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, so is, I guess it, was there something that with all of this, right. That, that pushed you towards launching this company, something that like a catalyst, event, you know, with everything, it, it sounds like you've seen and experienced in a relatively short amount of time for your age, you know, um, yep. that, that kind of pushed you towards run training company. Yeah. So my eventual goal when I retired at, you know, 30 years in, I was planning to be 51 when I retired and then I was going to start a training company it was kind of the, you know, you get these one, three, five, 20, 30 year goals or whatever. And of course every, that shifts basically every, every two years, those, those goals may change, but I had always yeah. had, you know, I had it in the back of my head. Hey, I'm one day I'm going to have a training company. Well, um, as we say down here, what had happened was I <laughs> left, <laughs> I left law enforcement sooner than, well, I left full-time law enforcement sooner than what I had planned on. And, um, you know, working a day job and doing this kind of things. And, uh, you know, there's, there's not as much fulfillment. You go from doing, you know, a hundred to 140 raids on top of patrol work, uh, every year. And there's that camaraderie and the action and all that stuff and, uh, helping run SWAT school and teaching breaching and all these different things I was doing to having all the free time in the world, basically sitting on my thumbs, um, spending a lot of time on Instagram and, the catalyst, as you mentioned, was I saw a video of some young guys doing um, a vehicle takedown, and it was a mock vehicle takedown. They they weren't doing anything legit as far as like a training evolution or anything. These are uh, what the internet might call dirty civilians, uh, and they were just doing it for fun, <laughs> you know. Yeah, they were just yeah. they were just having a good time and um, trying to turn over a new leaf and not be the same, frankly, cock that I had been earlier on the internet. I messaged the guy. I've been following him for years. Uh, we're actually now very good friends, and he does my videography. Um, I was like, hey, man, like I love your stuff, but what the fuck is going on here? I, I don't know what I'm looking at. Uh, are you guys cops? Like, You're going to get yourselves killed if you did this live. Uh, and I pointed out a bunch of flaws in it that not because I was trying to flex or be a dick, but because it would legitimately have been like the worst vehicle takedown ever if, if anyone had fired a shot. Um <laughs> Sure. Yeah. And, yeah. And he was like, no, man, we were just having fun making a YouTube video. But, uh, you know, if you want to come teach us how to really do it, that's cool. And I don't know if he was being sarcastic or not, but I was like, I bet, you know, where, where you live. Um, and then, <laughs> yeah, I'll course, do it. I'll come out. Yeah. I was like, I'm not, I don't have anything else going on. Um, so he had then, of course, he got with his buddies and, it, you know, it's army dudes, uh, paramedics, uh, some DOD contractors and all these other people that this guy's plugged in with. And uh, he was like, hey, you know, I got this dude. He was a SWAT team leader and all this other kind of stuff. Um, can we get him out here? Uh, we'll pay his travel and all that. And they were like, yeah, but let's not do vehicle takedowns. Let's learn actual CQB because that's so different. You know, there's no one teaching that. So I went out there for three days and had a fucking blast. Um, stayed in this dude's basement. His mom cooked his dinner and everything. It was like, oh, my God, that's awesome. Uh, 
dude, it was amazing. I was like, this, I can, I can do this for a living. And then a couple of the students were like, this is one of the better classes. These are legit dudes who've been through other schools. Um, this guy built a, a shoot house, a flexible shoot house in one of their barns. They're like corn farmers. So he built a shoot house out there and, um, they, we had working doors and everything, man. It was crazy. And, uh, wow. Yeah, it was legit. It was legit. And one of the guys was like, yeah, this is one of the best CQB classes I've ever, I've ever been to. Have you thought about teaching that, you know, full-time or professionally? And I was like, yeah, at one point I wanted to. And he was like, well, you, you know, you're kind of throwing your life away if you don't do it. You're really good at it. Um, so, you know, I cried a little bit inside and, uh, was like, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe outside. Yeah. You like to hear that stuff, right? Yeah. 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 You know, I was like, Oh wow, this is amazing. You know? So of course I came back, gushed about it to my wife and, um, you know, my, my dad and my brother, who I keep up with a lot. And, um, they were like, well, you know, why don't you do it? At this point I'd been out of LE full-time LE for six months. And, um, uh, so we started the company. I reached out to some guys that were, as I said, everybody at this company knows something I don't or knows what I do at a higher degree. So I reached out to people that could to, could build it better, um, not to use, you know, Joe Biden's phrase, build it back better. Um, <laughs> but they, you know, people that were going to be able to take the company farther than I would by myself. Yeah. Um, so we all kind of we worked out the the, de- the the details and flexibility and schedules i got the insurance made the llc got the logo and everything started the page back up and uh as of last year last year we ran 10 courses and this year we've already done more than that this month um wow yeah so it's it's gonna I, well, the plan is to double revenue i think we're gonna quadruple revenue this year um so we wanted to be at 10 times our growth at uh five years and we're probably gonna do it in two which is nuts. That's, um, I mean, that speaks volume about, <clears throat> I mean, a, the quality of instruction you guys are giving out. Right. Um, but also the, the demand in the market, mm. you know, I mean, that doesn't just happen if nobody wants this product. I mean, correct. It just, that just, that doesn't happen. And I was saying earlier, you know, there's a lot of guys that used to teach this kind of stuff or at least allude to this kind of material. <clears throat> and I feel like, again, that liability word comes up and a lot of, places stopped stopped offering this kind of curriculum out of I mean, fear right i mean everyone's got to make a living and you got to protect that living I, I mean i get it um but i think this skill set's immensely valuable i mean if you're talking about being a prepared individual home is always top of the list for almost anybody when you know that you ask them the question why do you own a firearm so well for home defense to protect my family um I mean, so ideally, uh, and, and I've said it on this podcast a bunch of times, and I'll say it a bunch more, right? Most of us carry a firearm. Not, It's not a weapon. You're not trying to go out and go out of your way and kill somebody. It's it's not a sword. It's a shield, right? It's just to, yep. st- to be able to protect yourself and stop somebody from inflicting their will on you. So in the, given the circumstances, like, would somebody like me want to go through and do room clearing? Probably not. Um, but in the event that it's like, well, your wife's in that house, um, or if I, you know, eventually have kids and your kids in that house, knowing what we all know about statistics, unfortunately, with law enforcement response times, um, you know, you make that decision. Do you, are you going to do it or are you going to not? This is the kind of thing that can save lives. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Understanding these principles, and then. Even with recent events, right? I mean, uh, the, the whole fall of society shit that looks like it's maybe not so paranoid anymore. You know, having this kind of skill isn't isn't bad there either. It's um, 
people want to learn this. They have the desire, you know? So I think it's awesome that you guys were able to step up and be so successful. Uh, and I, I watch a lot of your stuff, you know, you guys do a great job actually. Um, and I can't remember the, the guy's name that works with you. Uh, I think ransom is his last name. Yeah, um, Jason, that's what I was talking about earlier. Great guy. Okay. <clears throat> he does a really good job articulating and explaining what it seems like is such a simple it, it looking at it right it's just two cones right with some dowel rods it's like this is a doorway and you're like yeah okay you go through a doorway but he articulates well and he gets to talk about you know why you clear the threshold your footwork and everything and it just it starts to make so much just better sense um the way it's presented you know yeah. as compared to some other guys that that honestly kind of suck at explaining um and teaching really yeah, you know, no, that's, just... that's, that is Jason's strength, man. Uh, besides having 22 years experience doing it, he was legitimately doing this stuff when I was like just now being done potty trained. Um, <laughs> he's he's uh, he was a Marine yeah. before law enforcement. His focus as a Marine was CQB. He's what they call RTT, which is um, I think it's like recovery tactical team. Basically, they're stationed at nuke sites and their job is if someone attacks a very sensitive nuke site, you've got a bunch of Marines whose only job is CQB that are going to take it back. Um, oh, I didn't even know that was a, that was a thing. I'd never heard of that until he told me about it. It's, it's gangster stuff, man. Uh, old school, everything's patterned for them, was patterned off of, if I'm not mistaken, the way the SAS did things. They got the black jumpsuits, gas masks, MP5s, you know. Um, now, of course, it's updated <laughs> modern, but that was Jason's era. I was say, that sounds, that sounds very, like the movie Navy SEALs. <laughs> Yes, yes, but. basically, um, exactly. And then he, you know, of course, that's one of the things I love about Jason. As you said, he's so articulate, but that comes from his humility and his ability to analyze trends and say, hmm, there's something to that. Let me go learn about it. Because the dude is, you know, mid-40s and is running red dots on his pistol and risers and is working on, you know, new kid and working with night vision. He's doing all these things. And other people his age are like, ah, oh, these damn kids, they just want expensive stuff. And he's like, no, I want that stuff. I want to see how it works. So sees the value in it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he brings to the table is the ability to take all his experience, apply it to new things and then teach on it from a place of articulation and humility. So he's an absolute stud. I'm so glad we have him. And uh, like you were just talking about that footwork on entering a threshold that way. I remember learning that from him in seven years ago in SWAT school. And uh, yeah. he taught he taught the same way. And I was like, damn, that makes sense. You know, and I've never forgotten it because it was taught well. Um, so yeah, that's ransom and it's, tactical solutions. This is Instagram. And that's, it, that's the kind of stuff like it, you look at it high level and anybody would look at it and be like, it's just your footwork. It'll be fine. When you actually, cause I, and I, I think I, uh, a couple days ago, maybe it was like last week or something. I didn't have like meetings one afternoon. So I took some videos of trying to just come in from a corner fed room and it gets way harder when you're thinking about where your feet are, you know, where you have to plant one foot to come through the threshold and pivot off the next step. Um, so your, your step is large enough or so it's not too small, uh, mm -hmm. while also not, you know, sticking your muzzle through the threshold. And it's like, you start, it, it looks really easy, right? It looks like, Hey, I'm just coming through a doorway. And so you, you realize how many different things you have going through your time that you have to keep track of it's incredibly uh, overwhelming i guess mm -hmm. for someone who's just learned who's beginning to learn how to address some of these concepts. um and that wasn't like 
not doing a room clear, not doing anything else with the team, let alone communications and things like that, um, which is essential if there's other people on the home, right? Um, or or whatever building. <clears throat> uh, right. I, I mean, it just it's it's such a, a fascinating uh, concept for me personally, uh, just because there is it's it's so much more about pulling triggers when you're in you know close quarters, and it's a lot more about how you got you know how well you can think. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The uh, something that you'll hear me say in class a lot is the entire game of CQB comes down to processing speed. That's it. Um, if you see me before I see you, you have more time to process me. So if my speed is not faster than Oodle loop, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If my speed of processing is not so, you know, in CQB, you, you unless you're the bad guy, right? Um, generally speaking, um, you can't shoot at what you can't see, especially for cops. So if I can't shoot at something until I can see it, that means I have to be exposed to it, which means they can shoot me. So that's where you get things like you know, gun ports and walls, uh, explosive breaching, flashbangs, and all this because it introduces a surprise, as you said, OODA loop, which slows the enemy's ability to process me because they're going to see me. They're they're lying in wait for me to cross through a threshold or a plane or a funnel point. And if I'm not going to have an advantage in processing speed, that's it. That's all it comes down to. All things held equal, that is the determining factor between who wins and who loses. Um, and so repetition and training is all it comes down to the more times you train that footwork the less you'll have to think about it when it comes time to do it and so the more things we put on autopilot uh, my weapon presentation coming off safety and pressing the trigger finding the dot you know all those all those little things that you do on the flat range all the little things you do in the house the more of that that's on autopilot the faster i can choose do i shoot or not shoot and the faster i can make that decision the more chances i have of winning and that's what it all comes down to yeah. Yeah. And it's it, it's it's almost like it's a culmination of a lot of like you're saying stuff you do on the flat range. Um, additionally, I think it, it's worth pointing out that, you know, or things you do well on the flat range, um, just talking about things like uh, safety manipulation. You know, I some I've I've been through I've only been through two classes formally. Uh, one was a, a carbine class uh, at a, a pretty decent training, I'll say pretty good training facility here in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, and you could tell there was like a part of the class that was trying to do things the way the instructor was really trying to teach. And there was a couple of older guys. Um, one was actually a pretty big dick bag. Uh, he's pretty rude to the instructor when we got to like the end of the class and, you know, uh, Robbie Torres uh, is the instructor. He's an awesome guy. He's in PS for input. He's like, what would you guys have me do different? You know, what could you see do better? Things like that. And he was kind of a dick about it. But him and his buddy were there. They were uh, army vets that served in Kosovo. Mm. So they they didn't really want to hear, which I, which I don't know why they took a class if they weren't coming there to learn. Um, they didn't want to hear that they should be flipping, you know, safety selectors on and off, um, transitioning the, the then the class was like a course of fire, you know, so you're, you're mm-hmm. you got some cardboard targets, you got some steel, you got to run back and get behind some barrels and stuff. Um, so you had most of us using our safeties. And then those two guys that were basically just running hot from start to finish. And, uh, it's like, okay, if you train that way, that's, I guess that's cool, man. But you get into one of these types of situations you're talking about, and you're not used to activating that, that safety when the gun comes up, um, small things like that i call the training scar call it whatever um starts to become problematic right 
Um, oh yeah. And I, I, and I'm, I'm assuming that's something you guys probably harp on a lot, both in, uh, I guess I'll say real world application and then also in training just for safety or, or common sense. Is that sound about right? Absolutely, man. Um, that's, that's one of the biggest things we have disagreements with people on online. Um, they've watched Black Hawk Down one too many times, and they oh. want to quote. Oh, this yeah, is my safety. Yeah, this is my safety. <laughs> uh, and if you know the actual story yeah. behind what that scene was based on, it's, it's actually a pretty funny scene. Um, you, that, are you I don't think it actually with... happened that way either. No, it didn't. Like I, what it is, yeah, I read the book, they, and they yeah. added that. Yeah, no, that was not in it at all. Uh, they, the Delta guys would carry their weapons hammered down on safe i mean on fire because you know when the bolt when the mm-hmm. hammer is down the bolts forward you can't put it on safe idea right. being if something pops off you just put one in the chamber and you're good well that was their sop the rangers sop was and i'm not a vet so it wasn't like condition yellow or something where their safety's on bolts forward loaded mags in but there's nothing in the chamber empty chamber um, yeah or condition yeah. three or whatever the hell they call yeah. it yeah yeah so that was where that actual conversation took place and wasn't it wasn't about running your gun, you know, locked and cocked, ready to rock with the safety off. But people, people think that that is acceptable. And there are SWAT teams that run that way. There oh my are, God. Yeah, there. I mean, every unit does well, a little it, different. People have that debate with us. I'm like, dude, you just need to train. That's all it is. You need to be applying well, pressure to the safety with your thumb, prepping your finger on the side of the magwell. And when it comes time to make that decision, they move at the same time. Easy peasy. Yeah, it's one, one, one motion. You know, and, I've never had that and it's funny that you bring up Black Hawk Down because um, I've actually I've read a couple books on it. Um, I had a gentleman on uh, several months ago who's actually a friend of the family who um, was in the Marine Corps and actually was in Somalia uh, like a week after the Battle of Mogadishu. But um, <clears throat> just hearing about stuff that was going on there and then was very uh, actually surprised to hear that um, the the Rangers and, and Delta right cohabitating together uh delta would actually take the rangers and was teaching them Mm -hmm. uh cqb tactics and room clearing and uh they were there was actually and i think it's that um what the fuck's his name the douchebag but captain steel or whatever in the movie i think that's a guy's actually in real life um was reprimanding the rangers for learning those tactics from delta and said that they wouldn't, some along the lines, like they wouldn't need it. They shouldn't be learning that, you know, that, that's, you know, that's not what they're there for or something. Um, and then obviously you watch the movie, you read the books, you, you, you know, history. They right. definitely did need that. And they were certainly ill prepared for what they uh, encountered. Um, right. But, but at any rate, you know, uh, so it's just funny. You, you brought a Black Hawk down and I'm like, oh yeah, you know, you, you say that. It does make me think about that. And it just happens to pertain. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we we had so, some uh, some of our instructors that trained with uh, some Delta guys on their rotations through the Middle East, and picked really? up a lot of really good. Yeah, they picked up a lot of really good CQB tactics from those guys. Um, and it's not unheard of for Delta to do that. These these are the absolute cream of the crop, highly motivated individuals who dedicated their entire life to that level of achievement, and they want their guys that conventional units and you know, lower tiered units or tiered units that are not tasked to them to survive, you know? So, um, that's, I, I've never, I've never talked to a guy from CAG or met a guy from CAG that wasn't just an absolute stud that had a, a frankly, a lot of humility 
Um, I'm sure they're not all like that. Every bad apples in every bunch, but um, oh yeah, it's not uncommon for them to take. You know, oh, we got downtime. Okay, let's go train this line unit that's assigned to us, uh, so they can hopefully have a little more survivability. You know. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's important, right? You want everybody to come home uh, to to come out of the situation, you know, uh, successfully, uh, unharmed. Um, but I guess from a training standpoint, um, kind of jump back a little bit. You guys, you're saying earlier, you guys have a, you know, exponentially increased number of classes and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Talking from a training standpoint, uh, have you what kind of I guess what kind of, I don't want to say issues, but what are you encountering a lot of in your classes? Um, you know, this is something I think that uh, with the development of social media and everyone sees the videos, right, of how cool it is to try and learn how to do CQB and <clears throat> everyone wants to run a Mark 18 and, and you know, high speed, low drag and all that stuff. Um, but in your experience teaching civilian, and I guess I shouldn't even say civilians, just teaching in general, because like I was saying earlier, just because, you know, someone's in law enforcement doesn't mean that they necessarily have all the, the best training or anything. It's usually what kind of things? E- e- well, and when it comes to shooting, it, it certainly has been my experience. Uh, yes. <clears throat> I have a couple of friends that, uh, one in particular, great guy. Uh, we stood up in each other's weddings. Fantastic dude. Like, I love you, Justin. Great, great guy. Um, <laughs> but it's, everyone, he was teaching me shooting. It was, you know, the lock, lock the elbows, like turtle the neck down and like oh, square up to the target and everything. And, and I'll tell you what, you know what? At, he can shoot a tight group. He is a great shooter, stationary. And I've never done any moving and shooting with him, so I don't know past that. But, um, <clears throat> you know, I started kind of learning some stuff. Modified what I was doing. But what are you guys encountering in terms of the students that you run into? Is there a lot of information out there, misinformation, or, or what do you guys see? Um, probably 50% of the ones that come through have watched YouTube stuff, um, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but they, they have gotten a bad habit by practicing something they saw online out of context. And now they're having to break a training scar. I've never been to a formal class until they come to us. So for anybody listening to this, YouTube's awesome. We're, we're about to be putting content out on YouTube as well. But it's not ever going to replace an in-person class because you've got to get a critique that says, okay, that was cool, but do this, this, and this. And now you've got the actual context and application. So uh, you got to remember YouTube is always there to push something else or sell something else. It's going to be half-baked information. We'll, we will be guilty of that as well because you cannot simply – you can't put eight hours of lecture on there and have it be the same thing. We'd rather put no. 30 minutes. Yeah, you got to put 30 <clears throat> minutes and say, hey, I hope you got something from this. Not that we're trying to gatekeep, but you got to just for your own benefit, you got to come to the real class and, and actually do it. So that's that's one problem we see. Another problem specifically when it comes to CQB classes is people are coming to these and they don't know how to manipulate their weapon. They don't know how to set up their kit. They don't know medical. Um, CQB is probably the least likely thing that you'll do. Uh, and it's the least ideal thing that you'll do. Um, again, that's not a bad thing. Every time I've done CQB, it's been, you know, the highest risk thing. I've, you know, that's 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 the highest risk thing you'll ever do in your career. And if you're doing it for a career, you're rolling the dice a lot, you know. So, yeah. you know, you need to know how to and I'm not picking on this one student, but holy shit, couldn't find the safety on his rifle. And he claimed to be a firearms instructor. So uh, uh, what? <laughs> that's yeah. What? Yeah. So 
Yeah, he would come. Was he was he running and... something like super goofy or was no? And like they are just regular. Okay. Arm. And he would come up. With his All right. Thumb not, <laughs> yeah, his thumb was not prepped on the safety, so he was holding it like a pistol, wrapping his thumb down low, not even towering it or anything. You know, because when you when you when you we don't have to get into firearm shit. Basically, the dude couldn't find his fucking safety, and it was a problem. Yeah. It happened more than once where he came up on a shoot target and went and pulled the trigger and nothing happened. And I'm like take your fucking safety off so now we yeah man yeah now we've added into our cqb classes a 30 to 40 minute weapon manipulation crash course here's your safety here's your trigger here's your mag release here's how to manipulate your weapon high port low port ready you know ready different ready positions scanning positions sling manipulation and it's just like a blah of knowledge and then that way they've at least seen it we go into the class they understand a little bit more about it but People don't want to come to firearms classes, man. They they want to go to the stuff that they can't get anywhere else. And the problem becomes they don't get the basics. Like as you yeah. said, you can you can teach yourself a lot, right? You can teach you you know, uh, you can teach yourself a lot of shooting. You can watch videos. You can replicate it with dry fire. But when it comes down to practical application in a life or death situation and a structure, there are things that you've got to to know how to do, like find your safety. Um, and how to present the weapon system efficiently to that immediate threat. And you're not going to probably get good reps on that without talking to somebody in person. Um, not, I'm not, again, I'm well, not saying you have to, but that's, that's needs to be the culminating yeah. event. Well, I think, and I mean, that's the kind of administrative skill set that you can teach yourself fairly easily offline, you know, safety manipulation. You have to be fast at it, but understanding, you know, there's tons of videos out there. Um, you can teach yourself those kinds of basic skills. I think it's, I mean, it's born from obviously like you're saying, not ideal circumstances, but I think it's awesome. You guys had that kind of experience and okay, now we're going to, we're going to account for this by adjusting how we run the class. Um, yeah. I think that's awesome because one of the things that, that absolutely drives me nuts. And I think it's finally starting to go away either just because ammo so expensive so it's forced some companies to kind of change how they do things but one of the things that used to drive me nuts is these companies that would have you know uh you got carbine one carbine two carbine three carbine then you get into you know quote unquote dynamic carbine one two three and four and it's like you can't touch any you, you have to go through each one of them before you're allowed to sign up and it's like well to an extent i understand that but then you read the descriptions you go through the class and carbine one is or even carbine one and carbine two could be classes on how to safely load your firearm, how to safely unload your firearm, how to use your safety selector, how sights work. And there is value in that, right? I'm and I'm not I'm not diminishing the value that comes with those skills. Certainly not. Safety is paramount. Um, but for a lot of guys, I mean classes cost money right and mm -hmm. you don't want to have to drop 700 dollars on two classes that are just going to get you to the one that's going to start teaching you something right you know that's that's 100 percent correct and that's what we tried to scale our um our firearms classes based exactly on that and that was that was feedback that we had gotten when we did market research um was you know don't just make another you know basic class and so we had tag pistol one Attack Pistol 2, Attack Rifle 1 and 2, and then Combat Firearms. That was our entire firearms program. But again, the problem that we run into is people didn't want to come to Attack Pistol 1, which was the first hour was what you said. You know, find your safety, find your trigger mm -hmm. sights and all that. And then it was 
how to move up and down the range, how to move left and right on the range, how to reload on the move, all those kinds of things. That's tack pistol one and two, attack pistol one and tack rifle one. The second level was, you know, using cover, um, working in conjunction with another shooter, uh, some more malfunction drills and things like that. And then combat firearms was like injured shooter working around a vehicle and all this other stuff. So it was scaled based on complexity, but there was no scaling based around the weapon. It was scaling based around what else are we doing? Um, right. And all, all of it related back to CQB, either in a structure or around a vehicle. Um, so that was how we tried to build it. And people still didn't. We, we only held one class uh, and it just didn't do that well because people feel like they have that already. Um, and I think the culture of, oh, you can learn that on YouTube is good because it allows people to really get involved and invested in training. The problem is now they feel like we talked about earlier. I watched a video. Now I'm a Navy SEAL. And um, <laughs> then they come to a, they come to a CQB class and they can't find our safety. Uh, so it's, you know, it's yeah, I don't know. I don't know how we fix that. If that's a cultural issue, um, you know, it's culture is the real war here. So how do we make it? How do we make people? realize hey you know okay i've done a firearms class but now i need to i've done a firearms youtube stint now i need to go to a real class and just vet my skill set you know i don't really know what the answer is there because yeah i think i think it's it's a hard question to answer um i think that it's getting better and i will say i think it's due largely in part to you know companies like what you guys are out there doing um it's a it's a higher quality of information that's being put out, not just a, how do I do this reload? Um, or, you know, why it's important to know how to do this reload. It's, um, there's context to it. Like you said, there's nuance to it. And we are, as platforms like Instagram and YouTube are, are growing and, um, I guess this is that we're starting to, like we said earlier, find more value in the educational piece. Um, and then find new ways to to try and i mean it it comes down to it it's a business right you're there to make money and and bring in students but um you know you have to market yourself appropriately and i think the community is starting to realize that the flashiness is not where you want to spend your money anymore um at least i know when i look at classes when i look at people i want to potentially try and spend my hard-earned money to train with like i'll look at stuff like i was talking about with um with jason talking about you know how well can he explain something to me or does the way that he teach resonate with me um because everybody learns different that's certainly a consideration and also the fact that you could just because you did something really great i ran into this teaching music all the time you could be really great as a musician or as a gunfighter or whatever that that does not mean you're going to be a good teacher because mm. being able to do the thing and then being able to articulate and teach that thing are two totally separate animals. Um, you know, so I think a higher quality of information, um, a more well thought out approach and presentation, I think is the, the biggest combat for that. If that makes sense. Um, yeah. you know, cause yeah, you, you, you do, you have people that are giving, they're giving more depth. Like you said, you, you take, you know, forever type out your captions and stuff, but, um, as a, as a result, you're, I mean, a, you're, you're more well respected because of it, right? Um, people start coming to you as a resource, um, which is a you know it's a good indicator. Um, people recognize what you're doing; they they see value in it. And I'm sure it's not just a bunch of noobs that like me that that have never had any formalized training, right? 
you guys work yeah. with law enforcement agencies. You work with, yeah, you know, teams of, of guys that have been doing this for a while. So I think, yeah, the better, the, the more, the, the better quality is really, is the, the best way to combat it. But I think with, as with anything in this, uh, this space, this industry, this realm, whatever, uh, um, it, it, it takes time. You know, you got to uh, wipe out the, like you were saying, the, the, the guys with the Woodstock hunting rifle and, and shotgun and they don't want to um, mm. learn anything else. Those same kind of guys, I think, exist in the, I hate using the word tactical for anything, really, because it is so cringy. Uh, but in the mm. tactical space, right, you kind of right. got to push out those guys that are uh, set their ways and unwilling to learn. Um, that, you know, I, I think that's it. Um, yeah, it's you know, I, time. I, I certainly think you guys do a great job with it. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's time and it's cultural shift. Um, and, you know, I have a lot of time on my side. One of the things I think about, too, is, okay, I'm 29. I've got this experience. I'm still I'm still law enforcement. I still do. I'm still a training officer and all that kind of stuff. But 15 years from now, no one's going to give a shit about that. They're going to give a shit about, the, as you said, the ability to teach, the reputation of the company and those kind of things. I do. I really do think that is what's going to set us apart long term. Um, obviously we'll, we'll bring in new talent as we grow. And as the company gets bigger, we're, we're rock solid for now, but, um, you're right. As the, as the culture shifts, as people get, um, kind of pushed out as it were, it will, we will yeah. hopefully continue to stay relevant <clears throat> because we will be good at teaching. And that's what all my guys have been. One, are you willing to train open enrollment for civilians is question one. And then the, sure. the other part of, yeah, the other part of our vetting process is, you know, how do you teach? Give me, teach me something. Uh, what's your, you know, get, get references, talk to people that know them, see how they teach and those kind of things. See, so I, everyone's been picked for that reason. And I was going to ask you, you know, um, obviously with a training company, you have to build your staff or your cadre, whatever, whatever you want to call it, right. Your, your fellow mm-hmm. instructors, the, the guys you work with, um, has that been a point of difficulty? I mean, I have to imagine it is just because like we were saying earlier, just because you've done something doesn't mean you're great at teaching. Um, you know, and even some of the guys who are great teachers don't necessarily mean they've had to have done a whole ton, depending on the subject matter, of course. But, um, I mean, I just know, and, and I run a small podcast, but I know it's been hard to get reliable help and, and people on the team with what I do here, let alone on such a much larger scale like what you guys do. So has that been, I mean, I'm assuming that's been something you've had to work at a little bit to bring in, a oh, quality yeah. team like you have. Yeah, absolutely. We get we get requests for work a lot, probably two or three a week. Someone says, hey, are you hiring? I, I can teach X, Y, Z. Here's my resume or whatever. And, you know, 99 times out of 100, the answer is no, we're not looking for anybody. I'll keep the resume on file. Um, the only time we actually reached out and been like, hey, I need this skill set was for Lindsay. She's our communications instructor. She does all the radio stuff. And that's what she does both in her her day job as it were and then she's a a communications nco for her i guess battalion in the army she's a sergeant so her whole job and everything is teaching that stuff and she used to work for another training company and i I got her reputation and her background looked through her she sent me some poi she had developed which is a period of instruction um and everything was squared away so now we're in the process of she's developing pois for orion and we're going to do testing you know hey teach this to we're going to have the instructors get together teach us as if we were students and those are kind of things you the checklist you have to go through if you don't you might end up um with an oopsie 
And, you know, we've had small incidents <laughs> here and there, but that, that can happen where you're like, Ooh, that probably we should fix that or we should do that. And that, I was wondering if this would come up uh, and you mentioned it earlier. One of the things we do to help ourselves in that area is an after action review at the end of the class. And we say, Hey, if anybody's willing to stay for 30 minutes yeah. after class, 40 minutes after class, we're going to do a formal AAR. And uh, for anybody listening that doesn't know, an AAR in the context of an operation would be, you know, we meet back up at HQ. Everybody de-jocks, takes their kid off, gets some water, and we break down the entire operation from start to finish and all the details. And everyone recounts what they did individually. For a training mission like this, our AAR basically comes down to we go round robin, starting with me or whoever the primary instructor is. What's one thing I want to sustain about the class? And what's one thing I want to improve about the class? And then we go around and ask that from every student. And sometimes we end up with consistencies like, hey, I, I really wanted more of this or I really struggled with this. And what that tells us is how basically there are there are captive audience, our focus group. Um, hey, I really thought and we tell them, be honest, you know, if it's about a specific instructor, let me know so we can fix it. You know, hey, I thought instructor X, Y, Z was too harsh on this one point. And that's the kind of things where we can then immediately the next time we teach the class, I take notes on everything. Then I do a, a full debrief with my guys after all the students are gone or we do it the next day if we're all going out to dinner or something. And we adjust our POI and our interactions with the students in the next class based directly on that feedback. And it's been really, really helpful for us because we can tailor to what the customer wants one and then what the student needs. Um, yeah. so people, that's that's huge. If you stay stagnant and you don't update your material and you don't update your your teaching style, uh, you will you will invariably go to the wayside. So I think if people listened a little more to what their students need or want, uh, we're adults, right? We're not training kids. It's not like a 10 year old says, I don't want any more homework. It's like, yeah. you know, an adult who paid $500 for, the, for this three day class said, I wish that I had more of so and so. OK, well, that means the next adult who would have said that got the so and so. So, right. We, yeah, we fulfill our own kind of prophecy here by by basically getting free market research and improving. And if we have a shitty interaction with an instructor, well, now we know about it and we did it in a formal AAR. And I can sit down with that instructor and say, hey, multiple people said this. You've got to fix this before next class. And then we don't have any further problems. Right. Got to get on top of it from the jump. And that's those are all those are always interesting conversations, um, you know, because we uh, the two classes I've been, we did them afterwards for both of them. And just as a student, it's, um, you know, sometimes you get the justification from the instructor. Um, mm -hmm. The first one, you know, I mentioned the, the two gentlemen, the, the two vets that were in the class. One was a real dick bag, um, <clears throat> was very critical of the instructor. Um, ironically, he showed up to a carbine class without out of carbine i had to borrow one of his buddy's ars but anyway oh, um, wow. his his buddy when you're running one of these final um uh courses of fire you know uh and it was like a lateral movement just straight from one side of the range to the other but the drill was you had to either bump over to your left shoulder or do a transition right and fire left-handed um and he had a negligent charge Nothing crazy, right? It was still downrange. He just didn't mean to pull the trigger when when he was transitioning like that. So you know, he's very critical. And you know, when I was in you know the military, they would uh you know blew the whistle and ripped me a new one and made me restart. And you didn't. I don't understand. That's not good. So he said, all right, well, you know, I, I value the input. Just so you know, um, I evaluated, right? It was an ND, right? You knew it was wrong. Obviously, you just told me you knew it. It was in a safe direction downrange. 
you were still able to finish the drill and in the real world you don't get to restart so that's why i didn't restart you um hmm. and it sounds like you know what the, the fix is i i didn't feel pertinent to you know um so it, it gives you the, the opportunity to hear the instructor give a little bit of justification when needed um yep. but i think it's also really cool to hear everybody else's input was like you know, i really like this because i've never thought that before or um you, you, you kind of get a read for the guys and um yeah, it, it opens up some dialogue, and that's where you make connections as a student. I know I talk with a couple of guys that I've taken just one class with, um, but talk to very frequently now, and we're looking to hook up to take more classes together and stuff. So I think that's from a student perspective, that's that's awesome, and obviously it sounds like from an instructor standpoint, pretty pretty invaluable when you're you're looking at how you build your curriculum or, or adjust the curriculum. Oh, absolutely, and I, I don't want to touch on too what you said about an instructor justification. Um, the good, the good thing about teaching adults is that they have money they can pay you to teach them, right? Um, the bad mm -hmm. thing about adults is that they have opinions and feelings that you have to listen to. <laughs> so people will yep. hear about something and they'll they'll get a little, they'll nurture that little seed of, well, this guy said so-and-so, maybe their feelings hurt. And in that AAR, they get a moment of saying, well, you know, hey, fuck you because of X, Y, Z. And you get to say, well, actually, I'm glad you brought that up, man. I was thinking about that too and I wanted to clarify um this is what i meant boom 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 boom. and as an instructor that shows the students two things one you're thinking about what you're doing it's not on autopilot i remember that incident and here's what i was actually thinking and then it gives you the the ability to react very calmly when someone criticizes you which i think is so important for an instructor if you fly off the handle yeah. at a student it reduces your you lose them so far yeah yeah, yeah. so when someone says, hey, well, I don't get X, Y, Z, you say, hey, you know what, man, no problem. I thought about that. And I'm glad you brought it up. If you didn't, I was going to. Here's what happened. Here's what I think. And giving a reasonable response when confronted by another, you know, grown ass man in the context that we're learning how to smoke people in CQB uh, is, is huge, right? It, it builds your credibility. And that's another reason for the AAR. Um, Will Petty, and I just, I did not know that this was his phrase until recently when one of his guys told me. But he he coined the term or the phrase, uh, the road to hell is paved with live demos. And this is in the <laughs> same vein as that, you know, it's you have to be accountable for the way you teach and for developing this curriculum and taking these people's money. Um, and it's it's like doing a live demo. There's a lot of instructors who don't want to do it because they're frankly, they're nervous. It's an ego thing for them. They're teaching because they want to feel like the big man in the room. And um by having to demo and fuck it up, they might show everybody they're either not as special as they thought they were, or by doing an AAR and hearing negative things in front of the class, they get to hear how they're not so special. So companies that yeah, don't do ARs true. and they yeah, they don't do live demos, they don't want to have any sort of being seen as less than, that should tell you a lot about, you know, what their program yeah. is. I I don't I don't get I mean I, I get it because it, it comes from a place of ego, you know. Mm -hmm. Um but I value that a lot, you know, um, if the instructor does a demo, like we started, I took a concealed care tactics course and we did a, um, who, uh, I can't remember the name of the company. It was like a cold start drill. Um, mm -hmm. it, was, it was pretty damn tough too. And the first rep through, uh, the instructor, he didn't, he didn't meet the standard, um, <clears throat> which I'm like, okay, I mean, I didn't either when I ran it, you know, it happens. So a, it acknowledges that what you're doing is difficult right you're not just getting like the cream puff warm-up drill to start everything off nice and smooth like okay you, at least for me I, I i liked i appreciated that um 
but then also to see that the instructor, I don't want to say struggled because I don't think he struggled. He just, you know, it wasn't perfect. Um, it kind of in your mind, right. Brings the instructor to your level with you. And you have that, that like subconscious realization, like it's not so much student teacher anymore. It's like, we're just two adults having a conversation and you just know a lot more about this than I do. And yep. as long as it comes from a place of maturity on both sides, that's, I mean, that that's perfect. Um, cause you're gonna have a much better learning experience, right? If you're comfortable, if you feel anxious or intimidated, you know, all those, all those things eat into the education process. And again, you know, old school, uh, you know, two a community, a lot of these guys, you know, I've seen videos and heard stories. They just want to scream at somebody cause that's how they were taught. And it's like, dude, that's, ah, I mean, if I want to get yelled at by somebody, I, I go, you know, tell my mother to fuck off and then listen to everything she had to say for 20 minutes. I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't, I don't want to pay $500 for that. I want to come here and yeah. learn and I have a good time. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great point. And to touch on that, um, we use the adult learning model, which if you're not familiar with it, it's worth a Google. It basically says everything you just said. Adults really don't learn that well by being yelled at. The way they learn well is by using various forms of communication. You might be aware of it because you said you were a teacher, but um, mm -hmm. you, you were in the past. It, it's basically you talk about it. Um, so they're aware of what's going to happen and then you show it to them so they get to see it and then you have them repeat it many, many, many times before the testing phase and you give them critiques as they do it. And then when you get to the testing phase, you don't stop them in the middle of it because that interrupts the learning process. You then at the end of that testing repetition, just like you talked about with the guy indeed, you say, OK, here's what had happened and why. Let's talk through it. Do you remember this, this and this? And they learn better that way than they do by getting stopped and yelled at every time they make a mistake or being told, Hey, do this task. Oh, you don't know how, you know, do it anyway, pussy. And then they do it and they mess yeah. it up and then you get, then you get fucking yelled at, you know, that's the old way right. of doing things. It does not work. So we have found, and this is, I had this conversation today on Instagram about the adult learning model. You know, people will watch a video of students doing something not ideal objectively and get upset that they didn't get stopped and told, you know, well, why, why are they, why are you allowing them to continue after this mistake? That was a, that was a big mistake. And I say, well, the reason you're watching a video of it is because I videoed it and showed it to them and said, this is X, Y, Z. This is what you messed up. Um, consider this in the future. Maybe this technique would be better. And that is so much more beneficial than in the middle of the repetition going, ah, stop everything. Ah, what the fuck? You know, cause it doesn't, that doesn't yeah, no, that, that comes, that comes, way way later i mean for you guys it would be in a team environment if you'd been training together for years yeah. and years and you make a dumb mistake that's where the yelling comes in um for me as a teacher you know marching band and stuff or, or percussion right because that's what i taught you get you, you're two weeks from they've never had issues with before that that's the time you yell you know because it is it's like all right you know how to do this you have been doing it why the why the fuck didn't you do it right now um yep you know, but if you, if you, you can't teach just off of yelling alone. I mean, it builds anxiety, it builds fear. And then when they're attempting to fulfill this or complete this task that you're trying to, your, your job is right to teach them. Um, they're, they're in the, at least subconsciously or possibly consciously, they're dedicating part of their thought process to, I'm afraid, don't fuck up. I don't want to get yelled at instead of just focusing on achieving their, their goal. Um, yep. and I've had, I've had teaching experiences, uh, you know, all through life of, of both ways. And, um, the people that I connected with on a personal level, I have remembered and, and, you know, kept those, 
teachings and stuff, uh, far more so than the guys that were just total dickbags. Those guys, I remember when they were an asshole to me and what they did and said, not as much what they taught me, um, yes, which is unfortunate, but that's yeah. how it works, right? No, that's, that is so on point, man. You are 100% correct. You remember the people who had a personal impact that took the time to make it digestible information. You don't remember the lesson from the assholes. You just remember that they were assholes. Yeah, and it's it's a shame because I'm sure they did have something of value to share with you, but um, basically due to poor delivery, that, that kind of got lost in the mix, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, 100% correct. So, um. But but thank you, man. Um, I know we're kind of coming up to it here. Uh, I, this has been awesome. Um, before we before we kind of cut it here, can you just tell anybody who's listening that may not be aware of what you guys do, where they can find you online, on social media, how they can uh, look up some of your classes? Yeah, man. It, it has been great. Uh, we'll have to do a round two sometime. Um, for anybody Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, for anybody listening that hasn't seen us before or, or heard of the company, it's Orion Training Group. Um, if you need to email us, Orion Training Group LLC at gmail.com. The website is OrionTrainingGroup.com. Instagram is um, Orion underscore training underscore group. And uh, we also do have a, a separate entity that is, uh, it's, it's me and my brother, but it's Orion Concepts and they do merchandise and of course uh, the meme lord stuff. We do still, we do still dabble in memes as well. So um, but if Perfect. you're looking for training, yeah, if you're looking for training and not t-shirts and memes, uh, Orion Training Group, and we do open enrollment stuff um, that we don't care if you're a, you know, a Navy SEAL or a welder or a school teacher or whatever, come on down. Um, we price everything based on it, it being open enrollment. So a lot of our classes, just to give you an example, if you wanted a TCCC class, we'd charge you, you know, maybe three, 400 bucks, um, depending on location. Some companies are charging 850 for that, for the exact same material that it is. Yeah. So we, we price based on who is our customer, not based on, I want to be a millionaire in 10 years, you know? So, uh, it's our, that's our passion is, is training American citizens, regardless of their background. Right on, man. Well, thank you again. This has been awesome. We're, de- I'm, I'm definitely going to reach out. We're going to do this again. Uh, I don't know when, but we're definitely going to. So uh, I appreciate it. And uh, stay safe out there, brother. All right? Yeah, man. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. All righty. Take care. All right, everyone. That was Jared Arsenault from Orion Training Group. I really hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. I had a great time chatting with him, uh, being able to pick his brain and kind of uh, understand a little bit more about the mission and the goals that Orion has. Uh, if you guys are interested at all in, in learning CQB, uh, learning a higher quality of training uh, for some from some great guys who are really able to uh, articulate and express that information uh, in a great way, I highly recommend you reach out to them. And if you don't see them uh, in your area, reach out. Um, there's probably a pretty good chance if you're able to help them coordinate a training uh, site, um, they might be able to make it to a town near you. Uh, so a great bunch of dudes. Uh, recommend if you don't follow them on Instagram, take advantage of all the information they have to offer and then go out and check out one of their classes. I know it's on my list of things to do for this year. Hopefully if they make it up to the great white North here in Michigan anytime soon. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, next week, I have Chris Blau from uh, 1911 Syndicate coming back on with me. So you guys are gonna you're gonna dig that. He's got some new and exciting things going on. So stay tuned for that. Uh, but until then, you guys get out there, 
train smarter, work hard. Ah, I fucked that up, didn't I? Every time, work hard, train smarter, and like we always say here, be prepared. Be prepared.